Hi, Susan. Welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Been looking forward to this interview. So let's just kick it off. If you could give us a one word open to use, uh, you know, use one word to describe how you're feeling in this moment as we kick this off, what would that be for you today? Hopeful. Hopeful. Very good. Perfect. So take the next few minutes, just kind of introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, you know, who, you know what you do and all that good stuff. Sure. So Susan Hunt Stevens, founder and CEO of WeSpire, uh, mom of two and passionate about things in sustainability and sustainable design, as well as dancing. And you'll never find a dance floor that doesn't want me on it. <laughs> Very cool. And tell, tell us about uh, more about your business as well. Like kind of, you know, just how to, you got started doing what you do, where you are at today and where, where your future goals are, so to speak. Sure. So I founded WeSpire about 12 years ago with a belief that you could use the best of interactive technologies that were emerging at the time, social mechanics, game mechanics, mobile and personalization to close the gap between people who say they want to do something to be healthier, more sustainable, more inclusive, um, and people who actually do it. And that's a 60 percentage point intent to action gap. And my background is I've been in digital since 98 most of my career on the digital side of the New York Times. And what people don't realize is that the New York Times really pioneered a lot of behavioral advertising and marketing capabilities because we required registration. Then we went moved to a very, very um, robust subscription business, one of the largest in the world. And you learned a ton about how to nudge behavior, how to get people to sign up for things, um, how to click on ads. I kept looking at that with my personal passion around sustainability and well-being, thinking, why can't we use all of those things to get people to, in real life, make decisions that are better for themselves, better for the planet, and, and better for the world we live in? And thought, boy, there could be a really interesting business potentially around this. But the sort of aha moment came when I was sitting in a class. Uh, I got a, a graduate degree certificate in sustainable design at the Boston Architectural College was sitting in a course on the lead system for green building. And the lead system is a gamified process by which developers and architects and landowners and tenants decide to make a building more sustainable. And there's actions and there's points and there's achievements and things like that. And that kind of can became the framework for how we structured WeSpire. And we started really focused on environmental sustainability. But now we also are supporting large corporations' efforts around social impact, volunteering and giving, well-being, everything from financial well-being to meditation, mindfulness, emotional well-being to physical well-being, and inclusive culture. So how do we create cultures where people feel high levels of psychological safety, feel like bring their whole selves to work? How do we create belonging? Those are all behaviors. And so at our core, we're a behavior change engine. Uh, really focused on the behaviors that make the world a better place. What a cool story. Thanks for giving us that insight and how the whole, the, from the aha moment to what you're doing, up, what you're up to now. So that's really great. So can you share with us a something that you're most proud of that you've accomplished over the last couple of years and what you do? So I think <laughs> it's funny. Sometimes... Um, the challenges of entrepreneurship, and I think there's a lot of listeners uh, to this who will relate, is that we're early. We see patterns um, and trends emerge before the rest of the world does. Uh, we get excited about them. We put people together. We raise capital. We go out to solve that problem, and we're too early. The market isn't ready for what you do. 
And that has been something uh, when I tell people I've been working in ESG, you know, environment, social and governance for 12 years, they're shocked because it feels like this thing that just showed up in the last four years. Um, But the reality is we were really, really early. And so what I'm most proud of is being able to navigate a very challenging gauntlet of the market not being ready for what we did until we finally reached a place in the last few years of having the you know, being at the right place at the right time with the right product. Um, and it's kind of unusual, I think, for, um, but just as an external validator on this, I think it's unusual for a 12-year-old company to win a Fast Company World Changing Idea um, Award, which we just did in, in May, um, for completely changing how the market is thinking about uh, corporate donations and employee matches and kind of suggesting to our customers that we kind of blow up an archaic old system for how it's done, which is primarily an executive perk that really benefits, you know, executives giving money to their alma maters or to the, you know, organizations that they serve instead suggesting that corporations distribute their dollars out to employees. And then we use the mechanics to activate people to do employee directed giving. And it just, blows the numbers away of people who participate and would unlock more than $3 billion a year that sits on the sideline, not going to not-for-profits because people just don't do the give and match process. Um, It just doesn't really work. And so those are the things we're really proud of. That's awesome. So congrats on the award, by the way. That's really Thank you. Yeah, Yeah. it was exciting. It was really exciting. That's really cool. I would love to dive deeper into this segment you were talking about how the market was not ready. How did you push through that, Susan? Because I know a lot of us are listening. We're like, we, we have our own thing. Even when the, it's been said when the iPhone first came out, if it would have came out two years before, you know, we wouldn't have had the bandwidth. We wouldn't have the infrastructure for it to be, you know, handled properly. This is, was one of those conversations about Steve Jobs. So, but I would love to hear your story about how you were able to push through when a market wasn't ready and stayed motivated. And, you know, how did you come out of that? And what, what was your thought process and all that good stuff? Well, obviously, I didn't know the market wasn't ready when we first got it started. <laughs> had to learn that the hard way. Um, and I think there were really three things that kept me going. Um, the first is that we were really, really lucky to work with some just incredible market leaders who believed in us and believed in what we did and who partnered with us to continue innovating um, and to be, continue driving forward against this vision that they had and we had together of where the market was going to go. And so having that customer support and those customer relationships was critical, not only to survival, but to staying anchored that this world will come. There will be people who start to look like this. We just are working with the leaders and we need to recognize that. And so that customer relationship was was really critical. I think the second was keeping um, lean and agile for really long, you know, sometimes out of necessity and other times because it made you more responsive to what was happening um, and able to calibrate up and down more easily. Um, And so, you know, as, as we weren't growing as fast, you know, I was able to continue to invest in what we were hearing from the market because I hadn't so overspent in sales and marketing, you know, that I could had the funds to be able to redeploy into the product development that we needed to do to keep navigating to where the market was going. 
Um, and then I think the third thing is I, I made good capital decisions for the most part. I made some bad capital decisions, but I mostly made good capital decisions along the way. Uh, I This is my second startup. I had done the first, a more traditional way of raising a large VC round and all of that. And, and for the right business in the right market with the right opportunity, that is absolutely a good way to go. I just didn't see it in this market yet. We just didn't have the data that suggested this was a venture fundable market. And so I really went with a much more um, conservative capital approach, you know, bootstrapped for several years, then raised, you know, an angel round of people who were very committed to impact and what we were doing, um, you know, then only when we had, you know, almost, you know, a million dollars in business, did I raise a series A around it? You know, I brought a strategic in to do the Salesforce um, side of this to keep growing. That ended up being a challenge over time, but you know, we fixed that. Um, you know, when we realized we were at a place where you know we, we didn't have the product market fit quite down, the market just still wasn't ready, and we needed to expand into these other areas of ESG. You know, I um, I did it with convertible notes um, since we didn't know necessarily what it was going to be, and I didn't raise institutional funding that was sort of traditional institutional funding until literally um, spring of 2021. Um, and, and then we brought in Level Equity uh, as, a, as a partner to, to lead our Series B, put the converts in, um, you know, and, and are now building out the sales and marketing organization. So it was, I, you know, had we done a traditional venture round and plowed a ton into sales and marketing only to realize the market wasn't there, it's how quickly can you pivot? How quickly can you change course? How quickly do you think we just kind of went until we knew the market was where we needed to be before we started to plow um, money into sales and marketing. We're still learning. You know, we're still learning even today um, where the market is. So those were, I say, the three things that were most important, um, you know, and customers um, staying agile and staying lean and picking the right capital strategy. That's really awesome. I think you've had a tremendous amount of awareness back then, just based on what you shared with me. I can't imagine the awareness level that you're at today versus back then. Even <laughs> so, that's really cool. Oh uh, yes, I have. I have been to you know if uh, if the company had a, a corporate theme song, it might be Bleachers Roller Coaster or Chumba Wumba. You know, I get knocked down, I get back up. You know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I know We've what you mean. We've <laughs> certainly learned a lot. Um, but, yeah. you know, I think what marks our team is an extraordinary level of passion for what we do, um, grit, resilience, all the things that startups need to, you know, to make it through. And I also think there's something that I really know different from my first startup. Um, and that is, I think when you're doing something that you can look your kids in the eye when they're asking questions like, are we going to die because of climate change before we're 50? You know, I mean, these are questions teenagers are asking parents right now, um, you know, let alone, am I going to die in a school shooting or, you know, things like that. To be able to look back at your kid and say, I'm doing everything I can with my career to try to make sure that doesn't happen is an extraordinarily powerful thing to be able to say as a parent or an aunt or a cousin of a, of a teenager or a young person today. And so everyone on our team kind of wakes up knowing that if we are successful, then we are by no means the silver bullet to a huge, complex problem. 
but boy, we're an important part of this portfolio of solutions that are going to be needed. And I think that's incredibly motivated, inspiring, and it certainly attracts an incredible um, group of people to, to work at WeSpire. That's really cool. Let's get, let's go deep. So I want to hear about your why. Can you share with us your, you know, what's your why? What do you stand for? And why are you doing this? Yeah. So do you mean me personally or yes. the business more broadly? For me, you personally, personally, you personally yeah, correlated personally. to the business. Yeah, yeah. Well, and they're connected, obviously. Um, exactly. So I'm passionate about inspiring people to live their best lives. Um, recognizing that in, that I do have my own definition of best life, which is one where you are um, living in a, in a way that's healthy. You're living in a way that's sustainable. You're living in a way that is inspiring and including others and being, you know, a light that, that shines for others who may not be there yet. Um, that you are ultimately that spark of inspiration that the people around you need. Um, and so my why is how do I help lots and lots of people be like that at scale, you know, um, but even if I weren't, there's a, there's a great workshop that Bill, um, uh, one of the founders, um, here in, in Boston does called startups from the heart. And what I know is that even if I weren't doing a technology company, try to do this at scale, I'm that person who's always trying to coach people, on, you know, Hey, you know, how could you have your home be more sustainable or on their career or job or on, you know, that's just kind of who I am is sort of, you know, that person who tries to inspire people, um, to, to be them, their best selves. And so I think that is my why we aspire is my why that scales. That's really beautiful. Let's pivot over to thought leadership. Can you give us your point of view on, you know, what is thought leadership? You know, define it in your own words and what does it mean to you? So I have really put so much time and energy into thought leadership at Weespire. And, and even, you know, like I, every Friday morning, wake up at 4.35 a.m. to write a, a newsletter um, that goes out. It's called Saturday Spark. Uh, and it's for anyone who is a leader of anything. You could be a leader of a team at your church or in your neighborhood or at work, or you could be a leader of a business or you know a government entity, whatever it is. It, we are all leaders in our own right um, of something. It could be your family. Um, at this intersection, so I write about the intersection of, of business purpose and leadership. Um, and the reason I do that is that I feel like I have this incredible front row seat to these transformative conversations that are happening about the role of business in society. And I am so privileged to get to sit and talk to CEOs who are thinking, you know, really strategically about how they completely redo their products and services to have no waste or do no harm, or, you know, um, catalyze regenerative, you know, uh, whether it's energy or electricity. And it's such a, it's such a place of privilege to get to be part of those conversations. And I learned so much from them. And so if I can take that, synthesize it and share it with others, you know, so that it inspires them to be purpose-driven leaders in their own little pockets, you know, that to me is an element of thought leadership. Um, it's, it's really taking what you are learning each and every day and sharing it with others to inspire them uh, at some level. But it, but it also in a business goes into some other layers. Um, you know, we have data about 
employees and behavior change tied to sustainability and well-being and social impact and inclusivity that's incredible data that the world just doesn't have like we know how participating in these activities is driving retention likelihood to recommend performance you know social outcomes environmental outcomes and these were always these programs that were kind of the right thing to do, but not necessarily perceived as a good investment or with a strong ROI or anything like that. And business couldn't be further from, from wrong on that, on that fact. They just didn't know it. You know, They just didn't know these things mattered. And we've proven that. So in my mind, making that information public, I can't identify it individually you know, or, or ascribe it to a company unless they work with us to publish a case study, which many have. But I can share it in the aggregate to show there's business value for doing these things. And when companies embrace ESG and embrace engaging employees their ESG, it is transformative to business outcomes. And so thought leadership is sharing that data and making sure they have it. And then the last thing is I think um, thought leadership is recognizing when you are on the forefront of something and helping people think about the structure of what it is. And so one of the things I'm pretty proud of is that, um, you know, in 2016, when we were like a 12 person company, um, Gartner decided to create a whole new category called worker engagement platform. It's now called employee experience technology. And we were one of the companies, and we were not a Gartner client, but we were one of the companies that they cited that's creating this new category of technology. And part of that is that we just told, shared our framework and we shared how we were thinking about the world, the insights that we were seeing, why it was happening, how it was structured, what made it different from you know, employee engagement measurement tools and all of that. And we just shared our thinking with, you know, and by us sharing our thinking and clearly others sharing their thinking, it enabled a new, a new category and a new structure um, to get created that is now being sized as a $300 billion market. But you know, we started talking about it in 2014 and it became a category in 2016. And only now is it seen as a $300 billion market because we shared what we were experiencing in the market in a structured, clear, systematic, well thought out way. Um, that's thought leadership. I love it. Thank you very much for sharing that with us. I know there's some solid gems that I had listening to you and a lot of stuff that you said did resonate with me and I'm sure well with the audience as well. So how could people find out more information if we want to connect with you? Yeah. So um, if they want to connect with me personally, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and so you can find me, Susan Hunt Stevens on LinkedIn. And if you want to connect with WeSpire, we are at WeSpire.com and we have like 500 different ways you can contact us, but uh, you know, don't, don't hesitate to reach out. We always love to hear from people. Very cool. Here we are at the end. If you could sign us off with a one word close, what would it be? And tell us why. Inspired. Sharing our story and meeting people who care about these stories and want to shine a spotlight on these stories like you, Tony, is just always the highlight of my day. And so I leave these conversations feeling motivated and inspired for what's next. Thank you. Same here. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you very much for this meaningful conversation. I'm looking forward to having you back on here sometime in the near future. Be great. I'd love to do it. Thanks. Thank you. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.